Oksana is one of our uh, interns, residents, in our uh, worship training. Uh, we're hoping to be a church that trains and sends out folks who lead other churches. She's grateful to be here to work with people like Dennis and Daniel and other worship leaders. Of course, I'm there to teach her about Eric Clapton, <laughs> Leonard Skinner, and some other great musicians and that kind of stuff. So. Wow, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of changes going on. You probably have heard that we are suspending the 8 o'clock worship service. And uh, I know the only person that likes change is a wet baby. But uh, we are uh, going through a lot of analysis and transition and changes as we refocus this campus on the community of 37027. Uh, things like how long I preach, we're looking at that. Uh, we're looking at uh, obviously whether or not I wear a tie is an issue with some of you. So um, we are, are thinking, no, really, we, we are, we're, we're, we're down to that kind of minutia about what would make uh, this, this, this campus uh, more interesting and attractive to those who live in the surrounding areas, what topics we preach on, how we address it, how we use social media, how we begin that conversation, uh, and all of that. Uh, you have noticed a change in the bulletin that you've been given, right? Uh, and some of you have said it's too small. Well, let me, let me help you hold on to it for dear life. Uh, because in a couple of, not too long uh, down the road, it's going to come to where it will be all digital. And you will walk in, and there will be an app that says, Hi, Mike, glad you're here. Press here if you want to see the order of service. Press here if you want. All that's going to be on an app. It's going to go digital. I'm sorry, did anybody pass out on stuff? So just kind of fan the people around you whose eyes are swirling and that kind of stuff. So <laughs> uh, there, there's, there's lots going on. Well, in fact, one of the things that we have found out is that uh, folks in our area like the earlier worship services. Now you're going, well, you just dismissed the eight o'clock service, Mike, that didn't make any sense. Well, what we're doing is we're gonna move everything earlier. Uh, this service will go to nine o'clock. The 11 o'clock service will go to 1030 uh, because we have found out from our research that folks in this area like to beat the Methodists to the lunch areas. <laughs> And that seems to be the driver. Uh, so, um, I mean, I mean we're, we're, everything is under uh, is under scrutiny right now for how we how we do things and how how we reach people, when people attend, when they don't, and that kind of thing. So, um, you're you're important to this. Uh, and we'll talk about it a little later in the sermon. But we have thousands of people. Uh, with an arm's reach of this church who do not know Jesus Christ. And we've got to find a way to reach them. But we just got to find a way. I am very sensitive to stories about pastors being arrested. Um, a few weeks ago, a pastor in Hong Kong was sent to work camps because of his preaching and his support of freedom in Hong Kong. Uh, in the Middle East, there are churches that are being burned and attacked, and sometimes um, terrorists or mobs will catch the pastor and kill them, kill their family. 
It's this way in many parts of the world. I am very grateful, and I do not take it for granted, that this past week I was able to study without fear of somebody kicking my door down and dragging me off. Uh, we can worship. Uh, we can worship freely. However, our conscience leads us to worship. Without fear, some of you are a government spy and you're going to turn us in for treason because we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. The church in China is under stress. And we have this freedom because at the time in our history when liberty demanded its full cost, there were men and women who paid it. So on this Memorial Day, we remember that our freedom is not free. And we remember those men and women who have paid the price so we could endure, uh, enjoy the freedom that we have. And if you want to honor those men and women, then live freely, taking all of the privileges and responsibilities that freedom demands. The best thing we can do to honor those who paid the price for our freedom is to live free. And I hope during this Memorial Day weekend that you will do more than celebrate the beginning of summer, but you will take a few minutes and remember those men and women who paid the price for the freedom we celebrate. William Hutchinson Murray is a philosopher. He is the one who said, whatever you can do, whatever you can dream of doing, do it. Boldness has genius in it, ma power and magic in it. Whatever you can do, begin it now. Like most people, he understood that the hardest part of anything is getting started. Uh, all of us have a list of 10 things we need to do around our house, right? And we're going to do them soon. All of us have a list of 10 or 15 things we need to do for in our own lives that would make us better people. And well, we're going to get around to them. All of us know what needs to be done or how we can do it. But how do you get started? That's the thing. Even in gospel conversations, when we talk about sharing your faith or having an opportunity to tell somebody about what Jesus means to you, how do you get started? How do you bring it up? Well, nobody was better at starting than the Apostle Paul. How did he get started? Well, he started wherever his listeners were. That's what we find out in his sermon in Greece. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to pick up right in the middle of the sermon, verse 22. Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see you are extremely religious in every respect. For I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship. I even found an altar which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. 
The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and determine their appointed times and boundaries to where they live. He did this so they might seek God and perhaps might reach out to him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, even as some of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, then we shouldn't think it too much that the divine nature is not is like gold or silver or stone or an image fashioned by human art or imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands of all people everywhere to repent, because he set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by a man he has appointed. He's provided proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. But others said, well, we'd like to hear more about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed. They include Dionysius, the Arapagite, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps reach out to him and find him. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Paul couldn't keep silent in what he saw, what he knew around him. So we pray, Father, that you would burden our hearts with, our lo- with the love for our lost friends and our lost neighbors, that we won't be able to keep silent either. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Paul was in Athens. This is the Athens that you studied in your Western Civ class, the birthplace of democracy, the center of Western philosophy. Most major world philosophies in the West came out of this time in Greece. Some form or fashion, some beginning, some first step came out of this time in the history of Greece. You remember studying that. Now, Rome was the military power. Rome overtook most of the Mediterranean world, but Rome was so impressed by the way the Greeks thought that they took over Greek philosophy and Greek theology. They gave all the Greek gods Roman names. So if you studied mythology, you had to remember two names for every god. There was Zeus and Jupiter, one Greek, one Latin. The Romans just about took everything over from the the typical theology of the Athenians. Now, if you go to Athens even now, you will see lots and lots of statues, incredible work. Uh, of, uh, of the gods and goddesses, and you will stand for hours and watch the light play on these stone sculptures, and you will wonder how in the world someone could make um, a stone look that light. Uh, it, it is amazing work even now. And, and you can imagine in the heyday of this Athenian uh, city, uh, the city of Athens, that Um, uh, that these statues would have been everywhere and they would have been exquisite. And Paul was walking through Athens and looking at all of this. 
And Paul became upset. Yes, Paul was a Jew. He was a very serious Jew. And the first commandment is, you will make no idols. You won't try to capture me, God says, in things of stone and wood and things that you make. I cannot be limited or understood by your own imagination. So just seeing all of these statues bothered Paul and bothered him a lot. But more than that, more than just the idols, is, are the, is the thinking behind the idols, the worldviews behind the idols. You see, uh, and I'm, I'm painting a very broad brush here, so understand that. Uh, in, in, the, in the Greek theology and the Roman theology, you didn't so much worship the gods as you did just try to appease them. Do you know the difference? You really didn't want a relationship with them. Because if you, you remember the stories, if they didn't like you, they would make your life miserable. If they liked you, they would make your life miserable. Okay, you know, you, a, a God would think this woman was, was, was beautiful, so he would kidnap her and, and all the story would happen and all of that. So you didn't want to have anything to do with the gods anymore, and you had to. You didn't want to draw their attention at all. So you would give a sacrifice to the God, so he would know you hadn't ignored him. But you didn't want to give too much so that you would draw too much attention. The best you could do was appease the God so he would leave you alone. Now, that, that, that's a, a Mike Glenn, Alabama breakdown of that, but that's basically it. Now, the other world philosophies, the things that you and I take for granted, starting this time, the teachings of Plato, about eternal forms and temporal uh, revelations of those eternal forms, that everything's based off of a form. Uh, Augustine, the theologian, took the writings of Plato and helped and used them as a philosophical framework for a lot of his Christian teachings. Um, and so sometimes when you read theology, you have to be really careful that you don't end up reading Greek the theology rather than Hebrew theology, because there's a difference. Uh, Epicurus, uh, the Epicurean, uh, Epicurus thought it was just a material world. There was nothing more beyond what you could see. And the best you could do is kind of understand the ways of nature and then live within the, the, the restraints of nature, kind of find your place and stay there. Uh, he was one of the first uh, foundations for what we would understand as hedonism. Because uh, one of the reactions to, to that theory is uh, eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Uh, so that was their Stoicism uh, and the writings of Seneca, uh, that the world is best understood through trial and through suffering and through the patient endurance of this suffering. Stoicism, by the way, is making a major comeback in postmodern America. It wasn't just the artwork that bothered Paul. It was the worldview behind the artwork. It was the way the people understood the world, what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's not, what's valuable, what's not valuable. Uh, uh, this is why this matters. We live in a time that kind of preaches this false tolerance, right? Uh, everybody believes what they want to believe. Have you seen that bumper sticker with all the religious symbols on the back? It says coexist, have you seen that? Whoever has that bumper sticker knows nothing about what those religions believe. Nothing. 
because you cannot write coexist and then use those symbols with any understanding of what they believe. Worldviews have consequences. It's how we base our decisions. It's how we choose what career we have, who will marry, who will not marry, uh, what we will hold on to and what we will let go, what we will value and what we will trash. All of that comes off of our worldview. Now, Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of chapter 7 in Matthew, that the one who hears my word and obeys them is like a man who builds his house on the rock and the storms come and the house doesn't fall. The one who hears my word and doesn't obey them is like the man who builds his house on sand and the storms come and the house falls. The false worldview sooner or later will collapse. The pressure of life will be too much and it will collapse. And you will see people who will will have a a, a moment, some kind of of life moment, and they will uh, give up into bitterness. Doesn't matter anyway, just bitterness. Okay? That's a Greek philosophy. Or they will give into hedonism. It doesn't matter. Eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. I don't care. I'm going to go out in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a great flame. Since I'm not going to live forever anyway, I might as well have a good time on the way out. That also is a Greek philosophy. So what was Paul's response? I hear you're very religious. I see you're very religious. In fact, you have a statue to whom it may concern. (laughs) Have you ever wondered what that statue looked like? Big question mark. (laughs) They were afraid that they had the names of all the gods and they were going to miss one, and the one they missed was going to show up and be really, really perturbed. And just make everybody miserable. So they had one just in case they missed one. And Paul used that as the opportunity to begin to preach the gospel. Everybody loved hearing the gospel till he got to the resurrection. Does that feel familiar? Oh yeah, if you want to debate that Jesus is a great moral teacher, you can teach all day. You want to d- debate the ethics of the Sermon on the Mount? All day. Bring up the resurrection and you're by yourself. Real quick. A couple of reasons. One, people will say that that doesn't happen in real life. Uh, when you're dead, you're dead. And nothing happens on the other side of, of death. All right, that's a Greek philosophy. Nobody believes in the resurrection. And, uh, and, and every Easter we'll have a new book that comes out and says the resurrection really didn't happen. And we'll all go buy them, have Bible studies on them. And then we find out later that Christians are the only ones who buy these books. Do you know that? They market them to you so you get mad and go buy the book and have a Bible study on it. (laughs) Because nobody comes back from the dead. And if he does come back from the dead, then that makes him Lord. See, now it's not a matter of opinion. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If he is the conqueror of death, then he is the king of life. Amen. And I'd rather not deal with that. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw rocks at it so that there can't be a resurrection so I don't have to deal with the consequences of the resurrection. So where do you begin? Here's where where the problem begins. What we don't like to hear is that we're messed up and that we can't do anything about how we're messed up. Now, theologically, we talk about the fall. I'm going to break it down for you, Alabama style. We're messed up. We're so messed up that we will mess up something that's not messed up. Uh, A generation ago, our nation declared war on poverty. It was well intended. It really was. There were some smart people, some good people, who put together a plan that they thought would help American people. And in the process of that plan, well intended that it was, we have destroyed three generations of Americans. We're messed up. And we can't do anything about how messed up we are. And you know this. You've had New Year's resolutions, made them on January 1st, couldn't keep them to January 2nd. Right? Been to the bookstore, went to the self-help section, got 10 steps to wherever you wanted to go. 10 steps to lose weight, 10 steps to be taller, 10 steps to be beautiful. 10 steps is always 10 steps. And you went through the 10 steps and then, then, then you didn't know what to do on the 11th one. How many diets have you been on? There's one for every continent. South Asian diet, Greenland diet, we don't, we gotta, how'd that work out? We're messed up and we can't fix what's wrong. That's the insult to our culture is that we can't do it ourselves. So God in his love for us did what we dare not ask him to do. He came into our world, walked our roads, ate our food, drank our water, slept in our nights, endured our pain, carried our sin to the point that he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God hadn't forsaken him. God was still there. It's just like Paul said, he's real near to all of us, but sin makes you numb. And you can't discern that God is there. Yeah, Jesus, that's how we feel all the time. And he carried that sin and he died for the sin. See, you don't want to understand that, do you? That your sin really messes up everything else. My sin really messes up everything else. And you can't fix it. Only Jesus can do that. And he died for our sins, and he was raised from the dead for our new life. Forgiveness is part of it, but it's not all of it. Jesus will release you from the expectation you can fix what you did, and he'll begin to build a new you. You will want different things. You will love different things. You will desire different things. You will do different things. You will live a different way. True. 
because Christ in you. It's not that our friends can believe whatever they want to believe. It's not that we're intolerant. We're not. But sooner or later, that false worldview will break. And the worst moment, it will let them down. That's why Paul preached in Athens. He knew what the idols really meant. He knew what they said. That's why I preach now. Because I know what the idols mean. I know what they say. And that's why you tell your friends about Jesus because you know who the idols are and you know what they say and you know they'll fail. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not going to do anything to put you on the spot or embarrass you. I certainly don't want to do that. But I do want to give you time to think about your own life in this moment. I want to give you time to think about the person that Christ has laid on your heart, the friend that's now coming to mind, that the Lord will give you a chance this week to share who Jesus is to you, and you'll be ready to do that. You'll discern the moment and be courageous when it comes. If you're here and you realize that you have inadvertently caught hold of one of these false worldviews and you know sooner or later it's going to fail you, don't leave this place still worried about that. Our friends are standing out at a table, big, big sign that says next steps. They want to pick up the conversation right now and tell you about who Jesus is, what he's done, what he can do, what he wants to do for you now. Don't leave this place confused to still with questions, please. We're waiting on you back there. Perhaps it's to come be part of this church fellowship. You come. However the Lord's leading you, he's waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray the choices we make now are exactly what you want. Church family, may I invite you to stand. And may we respond in worship.